series called Crosstalk. And we are, you know, coming out of our series that we just did. And I feel like there's a lot that goes in and maybe a few things you remember. And that's okay. Like, it's not, it's not about walking away and having all the information downloaded and be like, oh, yeah, I can reference this right away and get that. The idea is this, as we're going through, that God would begin to just kind of reveal things to you, challenge you with some things. Maybe there's a thought or a scripture that just kind of hits you, and you're like, man, I need to work on that. Or, man, thank God I'm doing that correctly. You know, so there can be both. It can be like a challenge, you know, of like, I need to work on that, but then also an encouragement of like, oh, I'm doing something pretty well, you know? So that's, that's how the Holy Spirit works in all this. But we're going to this new series, Cross Talk. And uh, before we go further, let's pray. Let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that we can be here today. We are thankful for the roof over our heads, for the seats we are sitting on. We are thankful for that, that we can uh, have music, that we can have even speakers, microphones, all these things we are grateful for, Lord. We are thankful, but we know that we are here to worship you, Lord, from our hearts, that none of this stuff matters. We just want you. Lord, we, we pray for all of our brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world those who are persecuted just for saying the name of Jesus, for trying to gather, Lord, for those that are in prison right now because of the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray for them. We are mindful of them. Lord, we, we remember them today. We, we keep them in prayer, our brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world. Holy Spirit, be with them. Wherever they would meet, they would, they would meet or gather or be, Lord, be with them. Holy Spirit, we invite you here today that as we read the word, you give us understanding, give us the wisdom to apply this to our lives. Jesus, we declare you as Lord over this church, over this message, and over our lives. We thank you for all you have done, all you are doing, and all you are going to do. In your holy name we pray, amen. amen. All right, so crosstalk. And so this one is going to kind of bounce back and forth between a few different areas, but essentially we're talking about talking, <laughs> our speech, what we say, all the things that come out of our mouth. And if I have to sum up everything for today, uh, it would be this. And it, it, we have it up here. God pays attention to, and it'll be found one day. <laughs> yeah. God pays attention to and cares about what we say, how we say it, why we say it, and who we're saying it to. God pays attention to this. Okay. And this is something that it, it could be very, like, revealing, where you're like, oh, shoot, what? <laughs> like, you mean I have to be careful in my conversations? God pays attention to and cares about what we say, how we say it, why we say it, and who we're saying it to. And uh, before anybody feels like, oh, this is a personal attack against me, it's not. <laughs> this whole series was, was literally prepared a year ago. Okay, so the whole, all the series we're doing, they were prepared long before the conversations we've had, long before, you know, the, the situation is what it is. So these series are prepared beforehand, and I really believe this is what the Holy Spirit was saying, minister on this. So we're talking about crosstalk, God pays attention to and cares about what we say, how we say it, why we say it, and who we're saying it to. So we're going to go into scripture, but I want to give you the setting first, Okay. It's important to understand the, the context of this scripture. So the Pharisees in this, and we're, we're in the, going to go into the book of Matthew, chapter 12. Uh, we're going to read verses 36 through 37, actually 33 through 37. But before that, I want to give you the setting. The Pharisees, which are the, the religious leaders of the time, they actually had power. They were people that had authority. 
So it wasn't like they were just nobodies. They were like, you know, whatever's. It was like they were people that had power. They can actually create some laws in the city, enforce some things. So what happens is they're trying to enforce the punishment of the law to the disciples. So they see Jesus, you know, and his crew. So he's walking and his disciples are walking and the Pharisees see something that they don't like. So they're trying to enforce the punishment that because they're like, oh, they shouldn't be doing that. And they get angry because Jesus responds to them in such a way that they can't take any action. So it's essentially think of it like this. okay? whatever you may think of cops. okay, (laughs) don't get all political. Just relax. okay? (laughs) I'm giving you the situation of how it might feel in the context of what was going on. Let's just say there was a cop that uh, he was drinking a beer and he pulls you over and says, oh, you know, you were speeding. But officer, you're drinking a beer. How are you able to enforce the law on me when you're disobeying the law yourself? So essentially, this is what Jesus pointed out to the Pharisees. He said, you can't enforce something when you yourself aren't living by the law. So this is the context. So they're angry at this. Oh, he's disrespecting us, you know, all this stuff like that. So Jesus responds to them in such a way that they can't take any action. And then Jesus goes further, because remember, they're aiming at the disciples. So now Jesus does something that gets them even more mad. He heals a man on the Sabbath. So the Sabbath is supposed to be a day of rest. No work, no nothing. So Jesus goes and heals a man, and the Pharisees get angry that he healed a man on the, on the Sabbath. So, so they're angry. They're all around angry at him. And then it says that in in book of uh, Matthew chapter 12, it talks about an oppressed, a man oppressed by a demon. It, it says that he's oppressed by a demon and uh, is delivered from that demonic oppression. So Jesus delivers this guy from that demonic oppression. Okay. The Pharisees then say only the prince of demons can command a demon. So they turn around and call Jesus. Well, he's the prince of demons. That's why he could do that. So they're not, they're not just angry. They're now personally attacking the character and who Jesus is. They're saying he's the prince of demons. That's how he's casting them out. So imagine their, their anger. Their, you know, they felt disrespected. Like, oh, how is he going to do this? You know, blah, 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 this and that. Um, and then Jesus responds and says, but don't your sons also cast out demons? <laughs> he tells them that. He says, don't your sons also cast out demons? So if, if you're going to call me the prince of demons, who are your sons? And this is what I'm saying. This is where these guys, they're just angry now because Jesus is just like messing them up. <laughs> they're like, well, well, you know how people get, you ever been in those conversations when you, people get angry and they don't know what to say anymore? You know, like, shut your face. You know, like, huh? Like, just, they just get so angry they don't know what to say anymore, right? That's what's going on in this situation. They're just so angry. And, and then he warns them against the unpardonable sin, which is blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And so that is calling what the Holy Spirit has done evil. So that's something that I would say, if you're going to be careful of anything, you need to be very careful of calling something that the Holy Spirit has done evil. Because that's what they were doing. And Jesus says, the blaspheming the Holy Spirit, that's unpardonable. So we, we, we're going to read 1232, okay? And this is where Jesus is saying about the, the unpardonable sin. In Matthew 12, 32... It says, and whoever speaks a word against the son of man will be forgiven. So he's saying, even if you talk about me, even if you talk about Jesus himself, you can be forgiven. That's that's literally what he's saying. 
There's still forgiveness available there. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or the age to come. So this is something very serious, and this is something that he's saying that the Pharisees, you're guilty. You're, you're doing, you're, you guys are going too far. So we come up now to our main text. And so I wanted to give you the context of what's going on as a whole. And now we're going to read where our text is coming from for us in this series. It says this in chapter 12, verses 33 through 37. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. Now we can stop there. <laughs> Let's just pause there. This is not just for them. This is for us. A tree is known by its fruit. Okay? That means that all of us here today were known by our fruit. It's quiet today in this Presbyterian church. 34. He says, you brood of vipers. Okay? So he's talking out of the Pharisees. And, and basically, in a way, he's very sternly speaking to them, not in a very kind way. A brood of vipers is, is some pretty colorful language, we can say. Like, it was not saying like, like oh man, thou disrespecteth me. It was like a, like a, it was a, an attack to them, okay? So Jesus is speaking to them in a way that completely disrespects who they are. How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. So here is this place. Now remember, the whole situation with the Pharisees, right? They're angry, and he's trying to bring some like, understanding to the, not just them, but the crowd. And he's saying to them very clearly what's going on. But then he says, uh, I tell you on the day of judgment, people. So it goes beyond the Pharisees. Okay? It goes beyond what I would say even church hurt. Okay? Because we can, we can get wrapped up in like, oh, man, you know, this church, this, and, and some pastors are weird and shady. I'm not even going to like, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, that, that is there, that exists. But he's saying this on the day of judgment, people going beyond the Pharisees, going beyond the situation. He's saying all of us in general will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. Okay. So essentially, the entirety of where we're trying to go with this is not that we would be perfect in our speech, but that we would, at the very least, recognize that God ultimately pays attention to and cares about what we say, how we say it, why we say it, and who we're saying it to. Now, what a sobering reality when we hear Jesus say, we will give account for every careless word. I, I remember reading this and just being like, oh my gosh, I'm not making it to heaven. <laughs> like, like, like just the, the conversations I've had, the things I said, the, the thoughts that, you know, like, 
we I always have a joke with some friends where it would be like you would say something and then you would say to them, "Why would you say that?" you know? Knowing that it's what they wanted to say, but they didn't say it, so you said it, but it was kind of like, "I shouldn't have said that. I know that, but we all know it. We all know what we were thinking, right? And and I in that in that joke, it's like I read this in every careless word. And it's just like, "Oh, I shouldn't have said that." And the reality of our speech and the things we say, it's a sobering reality when we hear Jesus say, we will give account. Meaning we'll stand before God and he'll say, you said this. Are you sure that was me? It was you. (laughs) It's a sobering reality. Winston Churchill says this, we are masters of the unsaid words, but slaves of those we let slip out. You know, I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> you said it. I remember I heard one story <clears throat> of a guy teaching his son the power of words. And he was being mean at school. And, and so the dad tells the son, okay, so for every mean thing you've said, okay, you put a nail in a piece of wood. So this kid goes and starts nailing, um, you know, the things he said. And he says, okay, you got 10 nails in that piece of wood. Now I want you to go do one good thing for everything you said. So the kid's like, okay. So he starts going to do good things. And for every good thing, he, he comes to his dad and says, I did this today. And his dad's like, awesome. All right, take a nail out. So he takes a nail out and he does all the 10 things, gets all the nails out. And then he says, now I want you to look at that piece of wood. And I want you to see the holes you put in it and the hurt and harm you did. And remember that whatever you say stays there. And I was just like, oh, man, that's good. (laughs) That's a great thought, a great visualization of what we say. And ultimately, God cares about it. So we are masters of the unsaid words, but slaves of those we let slip out. John Gill's exposition of the Bible says this, by an idle world, word, sorry, by an idle word is meant what the Jews call light conversation and vain discourse, as the Hebrew gospel, Hebrew gospel of Munster reads it here, frothy language, unprofitable talk, which through it does not directly hurt God or man, yet is of no use to speaker or hearer. Doesn't directly offend God, doesn't, isn't aimed at God, it's just kind of a joke, you know, hey, I'm saying this. He says this, and yet even in this last general and awful judgment, if not forgiven and repented of, must be accounted for. And much more such horrid blasphemies the Pharisees had vented against Christ and the spirit of Christ. The Jews have a saying pretty much like this. And this is good. (laughs) This saying, kind of summing up that scripture we just read, that even for any light conversation which passes between a man and his wife, he shall be brought to judgment. Ooh. The, the, the place, the secret place that we have these conversations in our home, <laughs> and nobody going to hear. <laughs> the secret place we have these conversations and the things we say. Obviously, there's a clarity that God himself is aware of what's going on, and we will give account of what we have said. For the sake of clarity, the presence of God in our homes is not in tandem with our feeling of Christianity. So, for example... You say this, you know what, um, you know, I'm struggling this week. 
or, or you know, I, I just don't feel like a Christian this week. It doesn't mean God's not there. <laughs> and the conversations you have in those moments of whatever you feel like, God still hears it. And the reality of our emotional position or feeling of what we're at and doing has nothing to do with God being present in our home or in our car. <laughs> You're like, I'll go talk on the phone in my car. You know, God won't hear me there. <laughs> some days I feel like a Christian, some days I don't. doesn't matter. God's with you. He hears you. Imagine that God himself is in your home with you, and even in the moments when you don't feel like a Christian, he hears every word you say or everything you type. Keyboard warriors. <laughs> he hears it. He sees it. You're putting it out, presenting it to other people. God pays attention to and cares about what we say, how we say it, why we say it, and who we're saying it to. Speech ultimately is not the main problem. Our terminology, whatever uh, syntax you have as far as language goes, you know, some people like to uh, maybe curse in another language. <laughs> you know, it's not as bad. It's not as bad. <laughs> Man, it's quiet today, guys. Dang, I didn't, I didn't know I was going to be like touching on all this. Like, all right. But speech ultimately is not the main problem. Our heart is. Our heart is. Let me, let me show you. Remember Jesus? He talks to the Pharisees and he says, brood of vipers. I'm not going to say it was like a cuss word, but it was literally like a degrading thought. Where it was like, you brood of vipers. Like... I don't even know, I don't want to try to give you like a modern day context, but it was just something to say, you're not that great. So ultimately, it's not, the speech is not, is not the main problem. It's, it's our heart. Matthew 15, 18 through 19 says this, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart and this defiles a person for out of the heart come evil thoughts murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. It says it proceeds from the heart. It, these, these conversations that we're having, these things that we're saying, it's not just about like controlling our mouth and, oh, I'm not going to say that anymore. You know, and, and even like, you know, that saying that says, uh, you know, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. I mean, that really doesn't count because you're really saying it. <laughs> like you're, you're just, you know, if looks could kill. <laughs> you know, it's, it's in your heart. It's there. You, you said it there. And out of the mouth proceeds what comes from the heart. And the reality is this. It's our heart that we're asking God to work on. To say, you know, like, man, Lord, I don't want to have these things come out of my mouth anymore. Proverbs 4.23 says this, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Meaning there's something here inside you that things are coming out and, and, and the scripture's teaching us, pay attention to that, to, to guard it, to protect it, to say, Lord, I don't want these things coming into my heart. Bitterness, <clears throat> anger, uh, disappointment that, that leads to these ugly perspectives and ugly things that we say. 
as we go forward as Christians, <clears throat> there is an area that God will begin to challenge you. The Holy Spirit will begin to prompt you. Don't say that. You're going to type it or you're going to share it. Don't do that. Why? Because you're not doing it because you love them. <laughs> you're not doing that because you care about them. You're doing that because you want to be right. You're doing that because you want to show your knowledge. You're doing that because whatever reason. But the Holy Spirit will begin to prompt you. Don't say that. Why are you still thinking that way? Some of you, like we talked about the Breaker series, remember? We talked about how Holy Spirit will deliver us, breaks us out. We can walk out of that place and carry all that toxic culture with us. And the reality is that some of us, you're not in the place you were anymore. It's, you're not in that toxic place. You're not in a broken place anymore, but you're still thinking you are. And everybody else is like, oh, they're the same. All, they're all the same. You know, like they're all the same. And it's, it's God broke you out of that place. Stop thinking that way. And these prompts are the Holy Spirit working in you to replace the corruption with holiness. Because ultimately that's where God's trying to take us from a corrupted heart to a holy heart. One that says, I want you, Lord, more than anything else. Psalm 19.14 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Now consider this. Let the words of my mouth, okay, whatever I say, and the meditation of my heart, meaning what are we thinking about? What is constantly that thing on us? Is, is it constantly lustful thoughts? Is it constantly just this place of desiring evil activity? Because the, the reality is we're saying, Lord, we want the, the areas of meditation, the, the words that we speak to be acceptable in your sight. We want God to, when he comes into our home, to not be like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, like, um, there's, you know, I grew up a pastor's kid. And so it, <laughs> you would see sometimes, and my friends would tell me, because, you know, their parents, they would always want to know when the pastor was going to drop by. <laughs> don't, don't surprise us. <laughs> don't go surprising us, you know? And it, and it was like, why? You know, oh, the pastor's coming. Put it all away. Hide it, hide it, hide it, you know? Close it, close it, hide it, put it away, under the bed, under the bed, you know, back of the fridge, all the way. <laughs> that, and ultimately, this is something that, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. It doesn't matter what the pastor thinks, what matters is what God thinks, because in your home, if there's something that the Holy Spirit is challenging you to change, and you're not, understand that he sees it still. It's still there, he's very aware and he's saying, deal with it. Why? Because the scripture says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And you want to know why your life is in chaos? Because your rock and your redeemer is not the one you're looking to please. You're looking to have these other things be the main thing. We'll keep going. Essentially, 
the entirety of what we're trying to understand and go about and move forward is not that we would be perfect in our speech, but that we would at the very least recognize that God ultimately pays attention to and cares about what we say, how we say it, why we say it, and who we're saying it to. And we go to now James 3, 10. And we're going to go further into this in, in, a, in a coming week. But in chapter 3 of, of James, verse 10, it says this, From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. If that speaks anything of the church <laughs> or you, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, from the same mouth. You know, we go to church, God is good all the time, brother. You know, like, and then we go to the car. <laughs> That's not the language we use. You know, we, we, uh, whatever we do, we go out weekend, go hang out with people, and all of a sudden our speech goes from church, Christianese, to whatever language you're using. <laughs> whatever, whatever words you're using in whatever language. <laughs> so James 3.10 says, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Now, let me, let me be clear. Well, this is going to probably cause a lot of controversy. What I'm saying is this. I, I truly do not believe that someone, when they cuss, that that's the sinful part. Now, that's not permission to go cuss. <laughs> like, oh, well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's not permission to go cuss. Pastor Monty wants me to repeat that. But what I'm saying is that the sinful part is the thing that it's coming from in the place that we're trying to curse somebody. We're trying to say, I wish this upon you. And, and that's the place out from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. <laughs> we we want to bless the people you know, that we like and curse the ones we don't. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. You could be nice in your curse. You don't have to use bad words. <laughs> it's quiet today in this Presbyterian church. <laughs> we don't want to be mixed up in our speech. We don't want to cross over to different sides every time we talk. We want to have one path that when we know we're talking, there's not some other person that comes out. We want to know, be whole and pursue holiness in our heart to say, Lord, help me work on these things. I don't want to speak this way. I don't want to look at people this way. I don't want to curse. Like, I don't want to look at somebody and be like, I hope they this. I want to look at them and be like, man, I hope God touches them. If there is any place of conviction in your life today, understand that this is not just a result of the sermon it is the word of God piercing your heart, calling you out of old habits and ways of thinking and ultimately into a place that your heart is beginning to change. Holiness, holiness, the place where God is bringing you to. Okay, it doesn't mean we're there. It doesn't mean we've made it. It means we're working on it. Okay, um, we're going to close right now. Maybe Bianca come up, but I want, let's stand. Let's just, let's close our eyes, let's bow our heads. And what we're doing right now is we're asking the Holy Spirit to just bring up the things that we need to work on.
God pays attention to and cares about what we say, how we say it, why we say it, and who we're saying it to. Heavenly Father, Lord, we we are so grateful that you sent your son to die for us. That the brokenness of where we've come from is not where we'll stay. That the corruption of what our hearts were is not where we'll be forever. Lord, we ask that that the place of holiness that you're trying to get us to, that you would make it just, just clear for us. The things we need to change, the things we need to stop looking at, stop paying attention to, stop feeding and stop trying to grow it. Lord, that our hearts and the things that, are, that we meditate on and the words that come from our mouth would be something that pleases you, Lord. Lord.